Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Nanosonic Full Year Results Conference Call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. There'll be a presentation followed by a question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press the star key followed by the number one. I would now like to hand the conference over to Mr. Michael Kavanagh, CEO, President and Managing Director. Please go ahead. Thank you very much and a very good morning everybody and thank you all for dialing in this morning. I'm joined here in Sydney by McGregor Grant, our CFO. Well, by now most will have seen our full year results which were released earlier this morning which I believe reflect what's been another great year of significant progress for the company, delivering strong results especially taking the pandemic into consideration, but also importantly, results that demonstrate the underlying strong fundamentals for the business. This is particularly evident when you look at the outcomes and momentum achieved in the first three quarters of the year, uh, before the main implications, of course, of the COVID-19 pandemic were felt uh, primarily in the fourth quarter. As such, when reviewing the overall results for FY20, I think it's important to look at how the business was performing in the first three quarters and the fourth quarter separately. Therefore, in the results announcement that you may have seen and the corresponding investor presentation, you will find a fair amount of uh, granular detail uh, to enable you to, to assess those two periods. And as I go through the results this morning, I will uh, provide a review of the year covering the performance across those two periods. So starting with total revenue, uh, for the full year, uh, revenue was up 19% to 100.1 million. And uh, so as I say, up 19% on prior corresponding period. Uh, breaking that down regionally, the full year revenue in North America was 90.2 million which was up 18% on prior corresponding period. Um, moving across to Europe and Middle East, the revenue there grew 37% for the year to 5.2 million, and in Asia Pacific, it was up 17% to 4.7 million. So overall, across all three regions, performing very well. But if you do break it down uh, into the two phases, so looking at the Q1 to Q3 phase and then Q4, what you actually see is that in the, the first three quarters of the year, there was very strong underlying growth momentum and the, the total revenue for the business was actually up 26% on prior corresponding period versus the 19% for the full year. Uh, again, breaking that down by region, in, in North America, revenue there was up 25% in the first three quarters as Profund continued to perform very well and certainly establishing itself as standard of care. And very pleasingly, in Europe, even though off a relatively low base, we started to see the benefits of our infrastructure investments with revenue up 43% in the first three quarters versus the prior corresponding period. And in Asia Pacific, the first three quarter revenue was up 27%. Again, a very good uh, result. But of course, then in Q4, the main impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic were experienced. And those impacts were primarily Salesforce lockdowns and, and very limited hospital access. 
uh, coupled with a, a reduction for a period of time in certain healthcare procedures. But despite these lockdowns, revenue did not go backwards uh, in the fourth quarter and was just slightly ahead of PCP, actually up 1% to 25.3 million. So in the context of the, of the pandemic, not a bad result in the fourth quarter either. And breaking that down um, by region, for North America, and again, this is for the fourth quarter, the revenue was essentially flat in that quarter versus uh, prior corresponding periods, and revenue there was 23.2 million. In Europe and Middle East, it was up actually 20% on prior corresponding period in the fourth quarter, albeit off a, a low base um, to 1.2 million. And in Asia Pacific, it was slightly down um, just on 10% on PCP to just under a million dollars in that fourth quarter. So looking at this total revenue broken down by consumables and capital, uh, first of all, with consumables, well, as you can appreciate, having an annuity stream of revenue through consumables is a, a very good thing in this environment. And for the full year, our consumables and service business performed very well, with revenue up 36% to 70.1 million. Again, breaking this consumables and service revenue down to those two periods, so the Q1 to Q3 period versus the Q4, in the first three quarters of the year, the consumables and service revenue was actually up 39% on, on PCP. And that growth really reflects the ongoing growth and in installed base, as well as the benefit of the increased pricing of consumables to GE that uh, has been mentioned before. In the fourth quarter, um, despite a reduction in the number of ultrasound procedures as a result of the pandemic, consumables and service revenue still grew 29% compared with the prior corresponding period. Um, some of that's driven by volume, but primarily driven by the increased price um, to GE. Um, while we did see a reduction in consumable sales to end uh, customers, especially in the mid-April to end of May period. Um, we have been monitoring this very closely. And in June, global sales of consumables to end customers trended back to approximately 80% of the Q1 to Q3 levels. But more importantly, as we enter into FY21, Pleasingly, external data suggests the, the volume of ultrasound procedures continues to recover um, in the healthcare settings and sales of consumables to date in FY21 to end customers is consistent with this. So we are seeing uh, the sales of consumables uh, continuing to increase. Um, moving on to capital, and the, despite the increase in installed base, which I'll get on to shortly. Um, Full-year capital revenue was actually down 9% on the prior corresponding period to 30 million. Um, but this is primarily due to two reasons. Uh, the first reason, which is the main reason, which we flagged in the half-year result, is associated with a reduction in capital sales to GE Healthcare, uh, our largest North American distributor partner. Now, to understand this 
you actually have to wind the clock back a little bit to the second half of FY18. And in April of that year, in FY18, um, some of you may remember that we received earlier than anticipated FDA approval for Trophon 2. However, the Trophon 2 had not entered full-scale manufacturing and was actually not launched until early in the H1 of FY19. So as we expected, in, um, in the last quarter of FY18, GE Healthcare actually ran down their inventory of Trophon in anticipation of Trophon 2 coming. So they, they stopped, effectively stopped buying Trophon EPRs in anticipation of the Trophon 2 coming. And if you actually go back to our overall FY18 results, you, you'll see the implications of that reflected there. Then in FY19, they rebuilt their Trophon inventory. So hence their FY19 Trophon requirements were greater than normal because they had to rebuild inventory as well as fulfill orders. Consequently, their requirements in FY20 were, were less as they had already built that inventory. And this was also mentioned, of course, in our half-year results. Um, but one thing I'll point that I think is important to make, and that is the reduction in capital sales to GE during the year should not be interpreted as a slowdown in sales to end users by GE Healthcare. And they did continue to deliver excellent uh, new install-based growth numbers, especially during the first three quarters of FY20 as well. And of course, the, the second reason um, on the capital revenue are the, the implications of the pandemic um, which also um, obviously impacted capital sales to end customers in the fourth quarter because of the, the various measures implemented within the hospital systems to try and curb the spread of the virus um, in the hospitals, but also as well as uh, implications and, and measures that Nanasonics had taken with respect to the sales force. So that capital is a, it's a good segue into the actual installed base performance for the year. And for the full year, the global installed base was up 13% to 23,720 units. In North America, the total IB grew 13% to 20,990 units, so where it is clearly establishing itself as standard of care. and. We're now seeing more and more units going deep within hospitals, so spreading across all the relevant departments within hospitals, which is very pleasing and reflecting of the, the strategies that we are putting in there. In Europe and the Middle East, uh, the IB grew 27% um, for the year to 1,120 units. And in Asia Pacific, it grew 9% for the year to uh, just over 1,600 units. Again, uh, like capital and consumables, really a, a, a tale of two periods. And in the first three quarters, um, as you will know, we, we had guided the market to pre-pandemic to expect similar numbers in the United States as we had achieved in FY19, so close to 3,000 units. 
and uh, the growth in the installed base uh, in North America was certainly in line with those expectations uh, and uh, with a strong pipeline we certainly had line aside to achieve our target numbers for the year uh, prior to the pandemic implications of Q4. Um, <clears throat> but in Europe also during that same period in the, in the first three quarters the number of new units installed over there was up 37%, which was uh, very pleasing, and actually up 56% in Asia-Pacific compared with prior corresponding period. So that really did demonstrate great uh, growth momentum and, and the strengthening of the uh, underlying fundamentals for the business. But in Q4, because of the restrictions, while we continue to grow IB, um, the actual number of units installed globally in that quarter was down about 45, 46% compared to the prior corresponding period. And that reflects more a, a, a delay uh, and an extension of the time for people to purchase um, rather than a cancellation. We still believe um, that the, those opportunities that we had intended to fulfill are, are still very much live. So considering um, the circumstances overall, really a, a very good result a year, uh, across the year from an, an installed base perspective as well. Um, more generally, uh, it was um, positive during the year. We saw the publication of a number of new guidelines internationally, uh, reinforcing the importance of high-level disinfection for all semi-critical probes. And indeed, a number of these international societies uh, reinforced the importance of this, especially as the, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And in actual fact, in Japan, which is one of the markets, as you know, we're working on, um, the, the Japanese Society of Ultrasound and Medicine actually published an English version of the World Federation in Ultrasound and Medicine guidelines supporting uh, high-level disinfection. We still don't have the the specific Japanese guidelines, but that certainly bodes well moving forward uh, in Japan when that market opens up again. So these guidelines in general and their expansion internationally certainly continue to underpin the ongoing opportunity for Trophon, uh, both within and outside of the, the North American market. And I should mention that like all companies, Nanasonics, we did put a lot of measures in place when the pandemic emerged really with the safety and, and well-being of our employees prioritized uh, and that resulted in lockdowns for many people in particular our sales force and implementing new working from home arrangements for our office-based staff as well as increasing our capabilities for digital customer engagement where possible importantly in that time we we also took a, a lot of measures to ensure continuity of supply for our customers and indeed, our focus shifted to offering support where possible to those on the front line, where we know ultrasound was being used as a diagnostic for COVID-19 um, because of uh, respiratory problems and scanning of the lungs. And we do know that in some hospitals, uh, trophones were moved to emergency care from departments that had temporarily closed and in addition to that, 
We provided approximately 80 to 100 trophons on loan as well to customers to support their efforts. And those units that I mentioned there that we provided, they're not included in our official installed base numbers reported this morning because they may be returned, but some, um, and we believe uh, many, may actually convert into a sale or, or rental moving forward as Trophon should be in emergency care, well, ultrasound is used anyway, and I am aware of a number that already have converted um, into full-time installed base. Um, just looking at some of the other financials for the business, um, as part of our, our long-term growth agenda, we continued increasing our investments with operating expenses up 28% to $63.2 million. That was a bit under what we had guided the market to as, as uh, there were some savings in the, the fourth quarter due to the lockdowns, etc. Um, but that 63.2 million also included 15.6 million uh, in R&D, which was up 37% on the prior corresponding period. In addition um, to the internal R&D efforts, we also established a new business development function Together with a, a new investment subsidiary that is dedicated to identifying and assessing local and international opportunities to accelerate the growth of our infection prevention portfolio and establishing this as a, a, a separate um, group, uh, what it does is, is provides all the necessary focus um, for a, that dedicated group for pipeline development uh, through opportunities for M&A licensing, etc. And considering that uh, planned accelerating investment in our growth agenda, of course, as well as the impact of COVID-19 on the Q4 revenue, our operating profit before tax was 12.4 million for the year compared with 16.8 million in the prior corresponding period. Our Free cash flow, you will have seen, was very positive. It was up significantly for the year to 20.9 million, and that was compared with 2.6 million in the prior corresponding period. Now, this was driven primarily by increased receipts from customers, but uh, importantly, as we reported last year as well, the, the payment terms with GE changed during the year, and that resulted in a delay in receipts that year, and then receipts in FY20 do reflect a, a catch-up from last year, as well, of course, as the effect of higher sales, but also lower inventory holdings um, here in Sydney. As a result of that uh, increased uh, free cash flow, the cash and cash equivalents were also up uh, almost, almost 20 million or 19.6 million um, to 91.8 million. And that continues to provide a strong foundation for ongoing investment in growth. And, and I think in this current environment, it's also worth noting that the, the company has negligible debt. Um, a couple of comments on R&D and Outlook, and then I'll hand over for questions. And as I mentioned, uh, our investment in R&D increased 37% to 15.6 million in FY20. And that investment spans a number of areas and uh, important milestones were met throughout the year. 
across a number of projects. The main focus, of course, during the year was on our LEED new platform technology. And in this project, we are collaborating internationally with experts in the field. And, and through these collaborations, we have identified a number of positive enhancements for the technology that we plan to implement. And when implemented, we believe can deliver even superior outcomes to those originally anticipated. So that is something that we're working on at the moment. And in terms of timelines uh, for this new product, the inclusion of these new enhancements uh, coupled with the inevitable uncertainties associated with COVID-19 on certain project milestones uh, means that commercialization of the new technology is no longer expected in FY21, but we will, will likely be in FY22. Um, in addition to this lead new platform, I mentioned we are working across a number of projects and uh, we also do expect to release a, a solution for further digital traceability and reporting, which we believe will become even more important now for customers. And this product is also uh, in advanced development. And as mentioned earlier, we've also established that dedicated uh, business development group and subsidiary that is very much focused, so not impaired by our day-to-day -day running of our normal internal R&D, but a very focused group on uh, assessing, looking for and assessing local and international opportunities for strategic acquisitions or product licensing opportunities or potentially even participating in some early stage uh, new technology developments. So there is certainly a, a big focus within the business on achieving our product expansion goals. So moving to the outlook for FY21 and I think it's important to state up front that while we continue to be faced with the, the current issues associated with the pandemic, we do continue to be very optimistic about the future as the, the long-term fundamentals for the underlying business remain strong as demonstrated again in FY20. And one could argue that the uh, fundamentals really being an infection prevention company could even be strengthened moving forward. However, with the inherent uncertainties and continued ongoing risks associated with the pandemic in mind, it really is not possible to provide specific guidance in respect to FY21. What we can say is that whilst our installed base does continue to grow, um, it's likely that in the first half of the year, the installed base growth and trough on capital sales in general will be impacted by the limited hospital access currently being experienced, in particular in North America. And this has been the experience to date uh, in FY21. And uh, taking that capital and, and those restrictions into consideration, I think it's also important to, to understand that this will also likely have a flow-on effect to the capital equipment uh, requirements of our main North American distributor partner, GE Healthcare. Um, as such, it's anticipated that uh, sales of Trofon to GE Healthcare may also be reduced, in particularly in the, the first half, due to the really due to the impact of reduced capital sales to customers in Q4 by GE also, and the effect that would have had on their ending FY20 inventory, um, and of course coupled with the ongoing impact of hospital access restrictions. 
we are hopeful that those restrictions will will continue to ease a bit, but certainly at the moment we are still faced, as most companies are, with a lot of restrictions in access to the, the hospitals. On the consumables front, in June, our global sales of consumables to end customers, they trended back positively to approximately 80% of the Q1 to Q3 levels. And external data that we monitor now that we get, particularly from the US, looking at procedural volumes, it does indicate that ultrasound procedures do continue to recover. And uh, sales of consumables to date in FY21 to end customers is certainly consistent uh, with that, which is a, a positive trend. Um, there are, of course, risks that if there are any other further lockdowns or measures taken that could have similar impacts to what we saw in Q4, where um, ultrasound procedures could decrease if there are lockdowns in certain departments. We're hoping not. Um, but we have to be uh, cognizant that that risk still uh, remains. Um, but at the moment, we're, we're not seeing that. Um, finally, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, it certainly has reinforced the importance of infection prevention and certainly given increased prominence to this important topic, not just amongst the medical community, but in across all communities, and we consider that this can only be positive for the longer-term fundamentals of the business. And as such, we maintain our commitment to continue to invest in our long-term strategic growth agenda, and we expect total operating expenses for the year to be in the range of 75 to 78 million, with those increased investments being made across all dimensions of the business, but in particularly across uh, R&D and our regional infrastructure as we continue to grow and expand um, internationally, but also associated with our operational capability to support the organization globally. So with that, I will now hand over to for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press star 2. If you're on a speakerphone, please pick up your handset to ask your question. Your first question comes from Lianne Harrison, Bank of Australia. Sorry, Bank of America. Please go ahead. Um, good morning, Michael. Good morning, McGregor. Um, thank you for taking my question. Um, they're largely on the capital revenue side of Nanasonic's business, given that this has been the hardest hit by coronavirus. Um, in terms of looking ahead towards 2021, can you comment on, I guess, the level of engagement your sales team is currently having with the hospital? Um, in, in particular, in the United States, the coronavirus cases have increased. Has engagement reduced because of this, or has it... Um, started to open up as the hospitals are now more prepared with processes in place. Uh, good morning and thanks for your question. Um, and it's, it's a very good question. I guess it, it's a similar question that everybody will have as to what's our experience out in the field at the moment. And in North America, it is quite geographically uh, dependent. Um, 
we are seeing some wrecks um, getting out there. From a service perspective, we're we're okay and and, um, and both in in America and around the world, and that we can have access to the hospitals. Uh, but we still are seeing quite a lot of restrictions um, in in gaining access to to the hospitals. Um, we're doing a lot of digital uh, engagement. Um, a lot of, uh, some of our clinical applications uh, people are getting in, but in, in a restricted manner. And the hospitals are are putting in certain measures. Uh, that can range from the reps having to have had a, a COVID test within seven days of visiting the hospital, other hospitals uh, putting restrictions that if, the, if if a rep has visited another hospital in the same day, they cannot enter that hospital. Um, but it is quite geographically uh, dependent. So some we're seeing an easing, um, others we're st still seeing uh, quite strict quite strict access. Uh, consequently, what we're seeing so far in FY21 is install base is continuing, and we certainly are selling new units into hospitals. But the level of install base is probably still down about 40% on, on what we ordinarily would would expect. Sorry, so you're saying it's down 40% for what you're seeing for July and year to date August? No, more more so to to um, what we were seeing in the Q1 to Q3 period. Okay, okay. Um, and just to follow on, just to just to confirm that, so you're saying in terms of the level of engagement, um, it's probably not materially different from the level of engagement you saw through the fourth quarter of, of financial year 20. Is that correct? Correct. And and okay. we we participate in a number of industry. Mm -hmm. uh, body surveys as well and the the experience that we are having is really no different to any other medical device company i think you 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 should see the same across the board but we're hopeful although hope is not a strategy we're hopeful to start seeing those those restrictions ease um encouragingly we certainly um have no customers going saying look uh, we have to cancel our interest in in Trofon. Mm -hmm. It's more we're, we're viewing this more as uh, the timeline to adoption is a bit extended. Okay, and then if I want to think about, um, I guess, how long your sales cycle is to to better understand, you know, if engagement levels pick up, when that might come through to revenue. Can you give us a sense of what that might be? So, for example, if if a Trofon's delivered in April. Um, 2020, on average, um, you know, when did the sales team first engage on that on a, on a particular sale? It, it could be anywhere from three to six months. Three to six months. And okay. You need to understand that there's a lot of stakeholders involved here as well. It's not you. We we don't just engage with one person that's associated mm -hmm. with the sale. You're get you're mm -hmm. dealing with the infection preventionists within the hospital. You're dealing with um, the various heads of the departments, you're dealing with the end users in those individual departments and ultimately then you're dealing with procurement. And I will say procurement themselves, are, there are some delays on certain things with procurement because they are extremely um, and understandably uh, busy in ensuring that they've got all the necessary supplies um, of all the, the frontline um, requirements uh, associated with 
PPE associated with environmental decontamination, etc. So it is quite a complex situation that's out there in the marketplace at the moment. Okay, but if I think about um, if engagement, sales staff engagement is is fairly soft through quarter one, that's likely to mean that you know the capital revenue will be soft through quarter two and possibly quarter three as well. Well, we we certainly, as we indicated, um, you know, I think uh, the the first half, in particularly with, with all the uncertainties, that uh, we we certainly believe that the capital will be soft in in the first half. Uh, consumables, fortunately, at least at the moment, trending very very positively, should not be should not be as soft um, in in the first half. Okay, and and an aside, um, you know, with coronavirus, I guess the world more concerned about infection risk. Have you had any increased inquiries on on the Trofon since coronavirus has um, has made its way, particularly through the United States? Um, the, that's a, a question I certainly ask our our regional presidents and the um, the reps, and the feedback is. Certainly, the relevance now of high-level disinfection is is uh, much higher in people's minds than what it may previously have been. So, you know, when things start re- reverting towards more normal access, etc., we can only see this as a positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, one one final question before I give the opportunity to other people. Um, are you seeing any, um, obviously with, you know, new sales is more difficult during this period in terms of acquiring new hospital customers, but are you seeing any replacement of, you know, the initial trophons as, as hospitals go through the replacement cycle? Has that started to pick up? No, and certainly hasn't been the, the focus and, um, you know, it, it, at the moment, it's it's very much a focus on on um, getting trophons into new sites. And as I mentioned, you know, part of our focus in the fourth quarter was was uh, you know we believe we've got a social responsibility here to try and help where we possibly can. And we did reach out where possible and where we could gain access to provide trophons uh, free of charge. Um, to the front line, and we did have an uptake, as I mentioned, of about 80 to 100 units in that, um, which shows the utility in ICU, and we're hopeful that many of those will be converted into new installed base, but those numbers are not included in the official installed base numbers that you will have seen this morning. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Shane Story from Wilson's. Please go ahead. Morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. I, I, the first is uh, I'd like to assess uh, consumables utilisation in a little bit more detail, please. You sort of indicated 20% down in the fourth quarter versus the rest of the year, but then it does seem that there's a bit of an improved outlook there, say, in contrast to the capital picture. I, I'm, I, I guess my question is, have you been able to observe any sort of trends in surface probe disinfection given some supportive guideline changes in recent times and, and using lung ultrasound during the pandemic? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Without a doubt, I, I would say a large percentage of the new capital sales we make today are primarily being used in procedures that use surface probes. 
and and again, just for the benefit of everybody, you've got intracavity probes and you've got surface probes. And um, but what's required is that all semi-critical probes are high-level disinfected. So an intracavity is obviously a semi-critical probe because it's inserted into the body. But what what confers semi-critical status on a, a, a surface probe is the the type of procedure that it's used for. So any procedure where that probe could come into contact with bodily fluids, mucous membranes, broken skin, etc., well then that confers semi-critical status on it. So we are seeing more and more trophons going into um, a broader number of departments within hospitals that, that where primarily they would be using um, surface probes. So, so that's one point. The second point is on um, what we're, we're experiencing so far on the consumable side of things. Um, the, the dip that we had in, in consumables in the fourth quarter was primarily a, from around mid-April towards the end of May. And a lot of that was associated um, with the hospitals and elective procedures and other procedures and various departments even within the hospitals shutting down for a period of time. But as we saw those now reopening, so the hospitals may be reopening um, from a healthcare perspective but still have very restricted access for, for reps, then we started seeing the consumables run rate uh, come start rising up again, as I said, to about 80% of the pre-COVID levels. And indeed, in July, we're seeing it rising a bit higher than that uh, again as procedural levels go back uh, or start continue to, to increase. And we do get reports in on, on procedural volumes out of the United States every two weeks, and that certainly is trending quite positively. So the impact really on consumables we don't expect to be as great in the um, in the first half, um, with the caveat, of course, that you know we there is uncertainty with respect to what can happen with COVID nineteen and further shutdowns and second waves, and if if that if those things do eventuate and and um, manifest themselves like they did in the fourth quarter with various departments being shut down or or certain elective procedures being being uh, reduced, well, then we will likely see a reduction again with that. But we're hopeful that is not going to going to eventuate. Um, so we consumable side so far is looking positive. But the, the capital, unfortunately, is primarily due to, to restricted access. Let's go on to that. I mean, finally, for me, um, do you think there's a chance that US, U.S. hospital systems could move towards OPEX models of bringing new equipment into their facilities rather than CAPEX? Uh, I've been reading a fair bit of that sort of commentary from capital equipment providers to hospitals in the U.S. marketplace over the second quarter earnings season in the U.S. So I'm just interested in your views on that, please. Yeah, look, that's a, that's a great question, um, Shane, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons why um, installed base is such an important measure that we, we report because, as you know, we do have a mix of uh, sales models um, that range from CapEx through to rental, through to leasing, through to MES, etc. 
and it is quite possible that the mix could change, especially if the, yeah, um, there are capital constraints on, on in, within the hospital systems. But we're ready for that. We, we've got those uh, models in place. The reps have those models in place. And um, if it does eventuate, we, we, our, our primary goal is to continue to increase the install base. And even if it, it, it do, does turn to rental or leasing or MES, uh, growth in MES, ultimately the, the return is still very positive. Thanks, guys. That's all I have. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Martin Jacobs from Nanosonics. Please go ahead. Uh, it's actually Martin from Canaccord, but anyway, thanks. Morning, guys. Um, just a couple of questions from me. Uh, I was just wondering what the split is in terms of consumables between non-elective and elective procedures and subsequently, which departments were shutting down during the relevant period? Um, a good question, Martin. I really don't, we, we don't have that granularity of uh, information, you know, looking at it by, by procedure. And when I say shutting down, I mean, some of them, like, General imaging, for example, or general radiology, they may have been reduced quite significantly. Um, certainly for maternal fetal medicine, things like that, um, it's not elective. You're, you're pregnant or you're not. And if scans were required, well, then scans were provided. Um, but unfortunately, I, I don't have that, that degree of granularity to talk about elective versus non-elective. But overall, I would say that what, what the, the fourth quarter did indicate for us is that in a worst case situation, if those things sort of happened again, well then that consumable revenue for that sort of period of time, in our case was about six weeks, could go down 40-50%. But uh, we would like to think that any of that would be transitionary in nature, which has been our experience today. Uh, the other question I had related to the new product, um, I'm just wondering with your commentary on uh, slide 20 of the deck, uh, are you aware of any um, technical developments in that particular product market that might be challenging to what you've got in mind and, and that's maybe a reason for the delay? Um, I'm not going to speculate with any further information than what has been provided this morning on the new product, but we remain highly confident in what we're doing and uh, what this product is going to deliver. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Josh Kanagarakis from UBS. Please go ahead. Hi guys, can you hear me okay? Hey Josh, good morning. Good morning. Apologies if uh, I'm asking some of the questions. I only got up to the call late, had a couple of issues. But just firstly, just around the upgrade cycles, can we talk a little bit, obviously it's probably not a focus near term, can we talk about timing of, uh, of that um, and just whether or not, um, you know, how you sort of view the non-economic sort of period for clients to be holding their products where we're at in the cycle um, in terms of the ageing of the installed base? Um, certainly, Josh, I mean, we, we, we still stand by and believe that there's a, a significant um, opportunity for upgrades in the business. Um, 
But the the focus at the moment, especially when we've got such restricted access, is the hospitals, is to make sure whatever access we do have, uh, it's very much focused on new installed base. And that's very much going to the position with GE Healthcare as well um, in North America. Um, so I'm not expecting much in the way of new upgrade upgrades, revenue from upgrades in the um, certainly in the first half, as as the um, the the access to hospitals uh, improves. Well, then I think a lot of the key benefits associated with Trofund Two, particularly as they pertain to traceability, which now more than ever is really important, I think uh, those benefits of Trofon 2 will start resonating quite well with the um, with the with the market or upgrade. Got it. Yeah, got it. And that was actually my next question just around some of the new product development and mentioning around the traceability and reporting side of things. Just interested to get a bit more context around that, whether that is you know, specifically to ultrasound or, or stretches out sort of broader um, than that. Yeah, it's, it's sort of moving us into more in the internet of things and um, where this particular product may, will will start its life uh, in the ultrasound area, but we believe that the the technology as we're developing it could have broader applications outside of ultrasound medical equipment. Got it. And, and just a final bit, I think I just got onto the back end of a question before, but in terms of the upgrade side of things, obviously, as you mentioned, you're going to focus all your attention on new uh, new unit sales. Um, but will there be a potentially, you know, a two-tiered sales model whereby for upgrades you can reduce the friction by, you know, maybe moving to the OPEX model? Are you exploring that optionality? Yeah, I think at the moment what I would say in all of our sales in general, we've got a, a broad range of flexible models to to suit uh, customer requirements and, and the current market dynamics. So if there are capital constraints, well, then we've got models to, to help um, customers uh, deal with that. You know, because we, as I say, there, there is the, the traditional capital purchase. We've got rental, we've got leasing, we've got MES, etc. Uh, but each one of them, no matter which one you you choose, over the long term, um, still provides a very positive outcome for the business. Got it. Um, and just the final final one, just around uh, your comments on G Healthcare. And again, apologies if I missed this earlier, but in terms of when we're looking at the forward-looking first half 21 for capital sales, is the yeah. fourth quarter run rate a reasonable sort of expectation of uh, the run rate you think will be maintained, or was the commentary suggesting um, some sort of potential incremental negatives on top of that with regard to G? It's it's really difficult to. To predict because it'll be totally dependent on um, you know their access to hospitals uh, through their Trophon team as well as through their ultrasound team and um, you know their, their install base growth because remember like Nanasonics and our direct operations uh, who, that was impacted in the fourth quarter in terms of new install base growth so was GE. Therefore, they would have their ending inventory for the year would have been higher than anticipated. So, certainly, in the the first couple of months of of the first half, we see um, you know they've got 
they've got enough inventory to cover their their capital new installed base requirements uh, before they start coming back again for more. Got it. And, and just the final one on that, in terms of, I guess, the sales pipeline and inquiry levels, do you think does it take a little bit of time to, I guess, warm that up again, you know, after you have maybe lost some of that access for a period? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. how, how, are you sort of, how are you sort of viewing that? I'm just interested in your views around yeah, and, that. And this is where the, the sort of digital engagement and other services we provide, we've been doing a lot of uh, educational events and, uh, you know, continued medical education type um, events for, for customers. Because remember, a lot of customers for the CME type points, they, they were quite reliant uh, in many cases on attending conferences and, and the likes and all those conferences are cancelled. So we've got a, a number of programs engaging with customers that way. Uh, for education. We do have some of our clinical applications people in doing site assessments, but not to the degree it was pre-COVID. Um, so pipeline growth certainly is impacted, but we did end, we are entering the year with a strong pipeline anyway. Um, but uh, your primary pipeline uh, activities do require your sales force to be out there and it'll be no different to any any other company will be have the exact same uh, is it'll take a little bit of time for that pipeline to to uh, to start getting back to normal levels but importantly we did have a strong pipeline going into the year right thanks Michael thank you thank you your next question comes from John Deacon Bell from Citigroup please go ahead Thank you, John, and I'd just, just like to say that um, this will unfortunately have to be the last question for this morning, but I'm sure we'll be engaging with all participants on the, the conference call uh, in the coming week. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll be very brief. Uh, two quick questions. One, just on the, on the OPEX you've called out, 75 to 78, which is about 17% increase. The Aussie dollars um, strengthens at least 7% kind of on average during the course of the year. Is are most of those increased costs in Australia or are they in the US and kind of are you getting the underlying growth is not quite as much as as uh, as the as the headline if you know what I mean. Yeah, no I do. And um I mean there is a range that that's that's in there and um a lot of it will be uh, australia based as well um in particularly mostly on r and d um but also some of our infrastructure requirements here in australia associated with supporting the business globally but we we do uh, expect to continue to expand our operations uh in europe um as well as some extra in the us as well okay and Secondly, I, you commented about the new product. Uh, to some degree, I, I went back two years to the FY18 presentation. At that time, you said uh, you're targeting one or more new prevention solutions by the end of FY20, and now we're it's obviously elongated. I just wonder if you could give us a feel for the for the key reasons for the for the delay. You know, just to give us a sense of of, of where in that in that process has caused what essentially is a couple of year delay in, in this new product? Well, I think if you go back, John, that, that you've gone back to FY18, um, and then there's, of course, is what we said in FY19 as well, and we were talking about sometime in FY21, and, and now with the implications of COVID 
and uh, but also positively some enhancements that we've identified through our international collaborations. Um, you know, it's now looking more like FY22, and a lot of those things. It's we're, we're you know any R and D um, type program which you would be very aware of has inherent. Um, you know they're inherently complicated, and uh, some things take a little bit more time than what you may originally anticipate. But we're ultimately we're feeling quite confident in the direction that we're going with with this new product. Thank you. There are no further questions at this, or that concludes our question and answer session at this time. I will now hand back to Mr. Cavender for closing remarks. So again, thank you all again for um, joining us this morning and uh, we look forward, we will probably be um, meeting with many of you over the coming week or so as well and uh, we look forward to talking further then. Thanks a lot everybody. Bye-bye.